Hello and welcome to Emerge, Evolve, Lead, a podcast for people in recovery from addiction who want to be better leaders. I got clean and sober when I was 24, and then I started my corporate career. After several decades, I left that job and created Emerge Leadership Academy, where I train leaders and coach people in recovery who are ready to step up in their career. My name is Maureen Rosgem, and I'll be your host. Hello, and welcome back to Emerge Evolve Lead Podcast. My guest today is Melissa Rolfs. Melissa is a certified holistic health and life coach who helps busy people break free from, are you ready, sugar addiction (laughs) and stress or emotional eating so that we can be calm, confident, and at peace while we're on the road to happy destiny. Welcome to the show, Melissa. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you, Maureen. I'm super excited to be here. So thank you for having me. I'm really happy to meet you and to have you on the show. Um, first, before we get into your story, why don't you share with our listeners a little bit about who you are today? Like, um, what do you do for a living? What's your, anything about your family you want to share? And uh, how long have you been free from sugar and any hobbies, things like that? Okay, well, I'm coming to you from sunny Arizona, so that's exciting. Um, I'm a wife, I'm a mom. I've got a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old and I'm a holistic health and life coach, and I love to exercise, I love to drink coffee, I love to read, and um, just connect with people. I'm an extrovert, so I love, you know, just meeting new people and being around people, so that's just a little bit of me. Good. Maybe we can talk a little bit about your extroversion later. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let me, because you know you're talking to one too, of course, Um, let's go ahead and dive into your story. So I know, you know, not, not being um, specifically a recovering alcoholic or addict. Still, I can tell you that right now at 36 years of sobriety, I also identify as a sugar addict. Mm -hmm. I've been, um, you know, I've tried to get off of it here and there, but that is one of the things that people in recovery, especially new in recovery, first couple years, really rely on because I know that our body sort of changes it into alcohol (laughs) in in our bodies. And so it gives us that comfort that we need to get past some of those early stages. But before we talk about like some of that stuff, let's hear your story, um, Melissa. What happened and why did you feel that uh, sugar was taking over your life and how did you give it up? Yeah. So it's interesting because I think, you know, the saying hindsight is 2020 is really can be true. And it certainly has been for me because when I was about eight years old, I remember hiding sugar in my room and hiding pop tarts and cookies and candies. And so for me, that started in childhood and a little bit of my backstory is my dad died when I was two. And I think that my mom um, used sugar to self-soothe. And I think I I learned that from her. I remember going to my grandparents' house and we would go right into their house and we would make a beeline for the cookie drawer and we would always leave, you know, we'd walk in and we'd leave with handfuls of cookies. So I just think it was something that was ingrained. And then this pattern continued throughout life, you know, in in school, in college, marriage, having children. Um, And I think it really kind of hit the fan, if you will, when we had a newborn baby who wasn't sleeping. We had a two-year-old who had some undiagnosed food allergies and some sensory challenges. My husband was traveling for work and I was diagnosed with PTSD from childhood trauma. So that was kind of the perfect storm. And 
that was kind of the point of, okay, something needs to change. And I went to a naturopath and she did a lot of vitamin and mineral testing and talked a lot about my diet and what I was eating because I was living off of sugar and carbs. I was using them for energy. I was using them for comfort. I was trying to navigate the overwhelmingness of being a new mom and having children that weren't sleeping and whining. And it was, it was my crutch and I think it's legal. So I think yeah. it was socially acceptable. <laughs> um, and I just knew at that point after I had been angry and frustrated and short and exhausted, this was no way to live. And I needed to change not for myself, but for my kids. And so that's a little bit of my, my journey of, of why I, I changed. <laughs> wow. And so um, that's what we say even in our 12-step um, program, when life becomes unmanageable, right? Mm -hmm. You have to really look at what has to change. Um, boy, I relate, I relate to your story. I remember I, I was selling Girl Scout cookies and me and my friend, I had like, you know, 40 boxes to sell and we went and got three boxes of peanut butter patties and what stole them and went out into the woods and you know I'm eight years old and we're eating these things and oh boy we got in so much trouble for that and another time of course when I was a kid you could get penny candy so for mm -hmm. 25 cents you could get 25 pieces of candy and we would just eat it one after another after another after I mean it's just unbelievable right okay so oh, tell me how did it affect you said you mentioned something about a child not ha something what, were there some problems with one of the kids in eating sugar no it was just you a new baby in the family was overwhelming okay yeah the baby was overwhelming and because of our daughter's sensory challenges and food allergies that's what i heard yeah food allergies yeah. you know i think that was part of it too honestly marine because with that that was kind of what opened my eyes to the impact of food on mood and behavior. Cause I think we're taught that food is only associated with weight, but we're not necessarily taught that it affects mood and it affects hormones and it affects energy. Like there's so many components of it. And so I think that was kind of my aha moment of, wow. <laughs> okay. And so what did you do? You must've dove into some research or you, what did you get a coach? What happened next? I dove into research real hard. We um, went to an allergy clinic and had some testing done. And so that was kind of the first step, but I just started to research and learned about um, whole foods and kind of eating food in their most natural form and not the processing and the added sugars and all of that. Um, and, and because of that, and because of our journey, I lost weight. I felt better. I had more energy. My anger was gone. Um, like I was a completely different person. And I think what was so discouraging was people would say, oh my gosh, you've lost weight. You look great. And I'm like, I don't care that I've lost weight. Like, let me tell you, I am happier. I'm more energetic. My brain is not foggy. I can wake up in the morning without the alarm. Like there are so many things beyond the weight that have changed for me that I want you to have this too. <laughs> okay. So you had a ton of enthusiasm and but isn't it sad how our whole society, like we look on our bodies, like there's some sort of an indication of how we feel on the inside. And it is not true, you know, sometimes. I mean, it's, yeah, it's scary. Um, mm -hmm. So our outsides, we do want to match our insides, but I will tell you, um, 
it's it's really hard because emotional eating is difficult. So what are some of the things that you experienced in the, when you had this transformation? You, you mentioned a couple of them, feeling a lot better, waking up, but um, what did you have to do some deeper work? Yeah, because what happens is all these emotions I'm gathering, right, came up when you're not able to stuff it with the with the food anymore. What happened? Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head because that's what I did. I stuffed the feelings. I didn't know how to handle what I was feeling, so I stopped. Um, so, you know, through that journey, I met with the naturopath and learned about that, did the research, um, went to prayer rooms at our church, got some prayer, um, and then started meeting with a coach who really kind of helped me navigate my feelings and some different coping strategies. Um, and well, that is really, I think what changed for me was the mindset piece, because it all starts in the mind where the mind goes, the man follows. Yeah. So tell me more. Or we, we talk a lot about that. So what are some of the things that you had to change? Like, and what are some of the coping tools that you learned? Yeah, I had to learn how to express my emotions, um, which was really hard. Um, so I had to learn how to how to share what I was feeling. Well, first of all, I think I had to learn how to identify what I was. Right. Um, and that was kind of this new journey. And I, I kind of laughed because she had me buy this children's book about feelings. And I'm like, what? Why? I should do this to my kids. And so I, of course, buy this book and I'm reading it to my kids and I'm like, wow, I don't think I knew how to do this. Um, so I think it was just identifying those feelings and giving myself permission to feel them without judgment. Um, cause I think so many times when we, as women, especially, we don't want to be mad because then we're, you know, labeled or we're judged, or if we have this feeling or we have this personality, we're a certain way. And I think we just need to be okay with saying, this is how I feel and work through it instead of acting on it or letting it define us. Yeah, it is really hard um, to, especially with all those quote labels. Um, and I'm, I'm very familiar with labels and, and especially having to re-identify and then be compassionate with ourselves when we don't live up, when I don't live up to my own expectations, right? Of what I think I'm supposed to do or, cause I'm, I'm happy, I'm a happy girl. I've always been happy. And then suddenly when I'm not so happy and I decide to not hide it or put on the facade and then somebody at work says something like, you know, well, you know, how come you're not smiling today? I feel like saying, you know, shut the F up. <laughs> don't talk to me or tell me a joke for goodness sakes. Mm -hmm. You know, like, <laughs> like I don't, I don't always have to be happy. And it is funny how we do expect that from people when they're all, when they've always been like that. So then part of it is easy. I think it might have been easier to say, you know what, I'm kind of withdrawn from sugar right now, or I'm dealing with some stuff, leave me alone. It's harder to say, you know what, I quit drinking because nobody, because there's such a stigma associated with drugs and alcohol, right? And how we use that. Um, there's not near so much. It's a very, like you said earlier, a very acceptable way to escape is to do this emotional eating. Yeah. So what are some of the tools that you learned to be able to feel that stuff and not turn back to that old way of using I think the biggest thing was giving myself space and permission to feel my feelings and get them out um I think so many times when we keep things in they come out sideways and so really getting them out whether it was talking to my coach or whether it was journaling or talking with my husband or a friend but just having permission and space to really feel and experience my feelings instead of letting them control me or feeling like I needed to stuff them 
um, was the biggest thing. And then also learning how, like if I did feel that stress or overwhelm, learning some breathing techniques and tapping, yeah. freedom technique. Like okay, there are so yeah. many things that happen in our body when those emotions come up that we need to kind of bring the nervous systems together, right? So we need to link those two. So those are just some things that I use that help me and, and kind of kept me from going towards the sugar. <laughs> you know, that's one thing I haven't really, I haven't had a guest on that's really talked about tapping or emotional freedom technique. Would you mind taking a moment to explain what that is to our listeners and how you use it? Yeah, absolutely. So it's basically the idea that your body holds emotion, your body holds trauma, there's some great books if people are interested called the body keeps score and the body remembers and that talks about what happens in our bodies and so sometimes we get feelings or emotions or memories that get kind of trapped in our bodies and so um tapping is a technique where you take your two fingers and you can tap on certain pressure points like at your wrist at your elbow behind your ear and you can just tap and you can just say something positive or an affirmation or a Bible verse or whatever it is for you um, to just kind of bring that freedom out of that, that tension that the body is holding on to. Do you feel first the first you allow yourself to feel the, the crappy feeling, like whether it's sadness or anger or rage. So you allow yourself to do that and then you allow yourself, you feel it again. It sees how deeply you can actually feel it. And then it starts to change. Is something like that happen? Yeah, 100%. And in fact, one time I remember having a pan of brownies in front of me and I ate one and I'm like, I don't feel any different after eating the brownie. I need to eat more. And so I kept like looking for that feeling in the brownie and it didn't come because I think I had worked through some of that anger and that past hurt and that that brownie wasn't meeting that need because it had kind of been healed, if that makes sense. Oh, that's pretty cool. So this, um, what you're talking about is when you said even childhood trauma, any kind of trauma gets stuck in your body. And it could even be from watching some, a show that you watched last night and you, you know, cause our brains don't know that we're not really in that scenario, but, but our minds, our bodies, they feel it and we keep that stress inside. Um, yeah, I, I've been reading a lot of books lately about trauma and also, um, how to relieve that trauma and somatic ways. And I've had a couple of guests on that have talked about that. And I do think that if, you know, if our guests want to learn more about tapping or emotional freedom technique, I'm going to put something in the notes that, you know, give a resource for you. Um, because this is a way that you can feel what you're feeling and then integrate it or dissolve it it's the tapping really is a really cool thing um that works and it's great too because if you have children they could even do it at school i mean it's something that people can oh, do right. like could do it right now when i'm talking to you you know what i mean like you yeah could, it's something you can do anywhere anytime it's free and it's incredible just you just like need to know breathing. where the pressure points are. <laughs> right, and, and the deep breathing. Uh, breathing is another good one. We do, um, you know, prayer and meditation. I, I think about prayer as sort of putting my vision or my, um, my desires, and usually it's gratitude in the form of gratitude, thanking, you know, thank you, God, for what I have, or sending love and caring to somebody who's hurting, right? And then meditation is going within and listening to the message 
messages that divine source has for me, you know, and, and really listening for what's good for me. And part of that, right, is we have to build up our, whenever we give up any, any kind of addiction, we have to build up our self-esteem instead of uh, beating ourselves up, having that compassion for yourself, which is a huge leadership technique, right? For, you know, we talk about empathy, we talk about compassion um, and, and emotional intelligence, for example, when we're working with other people. Um, because some people, they're clueless. They have no idea that they're holding trauma in their body or that they're using sugar to escape or that they're drinking even to escape. I mean, even some people say, oh, but it's not a problem for me. I come home and I just have a glass or two of wine. It's okay. But every single day, that stuff builds up in your system over time too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we need to get to the root of why, why are we defaulting to those behaviors? What are we looking for or in need of that we're looking for in that? Yeah. And so what happened for you? Now you changed, you were able to change. How come you didn't go back so many times? I can change. I can change for three months and not eat any sugar. And then one day I'm at a party and I just think, oh, it's okay. You know, it's only a little bit, or it ends up coming out and like, uh, I just overindulge in the fruit bowl, you know, or the something like that, or I'll get one of those drinks that has 46 grams of sugar in it by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you not go back to it? I think for me, I've worked through the reasons I was using the sugar. Um, and I've really gotten healing in those areas. I'm not sugar free. I don't think that's attainable to be honest with you because there's sugar in so many things. Okay. Um, yeah. But it's more about sugar freedom and not using sugar to cope or to soothe or to kind of stuff those feelings. Um, but I think for me, it just, it wasn't serving me anymore. I mean, I, I tried, <laughs> there were times where I'm like, oh, sure. I'll have, you know, the cake and the ice cream at the birthday party. And I just didn't like how it affected me. I didn't like how it showed up. I didn't like how I felt. I didn't like how anything was, and it's just, it's not worth it. You know, I appreciate you saying that because sometimes I think, well, I'm such an addict, blah, blah, blah. But really, I, I have a pretty good handle on it in that I do allow myself a, a two pieces of Dove dark chocolate every night. Mm -hmm. And one of them has some mint in it and the other one's just plain dark, but it does satiate me. It does take away those cravings, you know? And I do have hot chocolate, um, sometimes sugar-free, sometimes not, you know, once in a while. Um, but basically there is times where I used to, th I used to really use it big time. I'd say, okay, I'm really having a lot of emotion. I don't know how to deal with it right now. Like I've already cried. I've written about it. I've walked it out. I've talked to somebody else. What's the next best thing to drinking and drugging? A hot fudge Sunday. besides sex. Sex is the next best thing. <laughs> And then a hot fudge Sunday, like that's, that's what I want. So every once in a while, I do allow myself to have a hot fudge Sunday and just allow myself to, to do that. But then not the key is to not beat yourself up for it afterwards yes. and sort of get right back on the, okay, you're okay. You're an adult. You can make these decisions. Um, so long as it doesn't become a daily thing anymore, like it used to be for me, it doesn't, it's not like that anymore. Absolutely. And I think to that, that mindset of knowing I'm going to have some chocolate later, like I did the same thing. I have chocolate chips at night. I have, you know, my, my allotted amount of chocolate chips. And I just know like, you know what, this is going to be my treat. 
Because I think when we get into deprivation and we're like, I can't have that, I shouldn't have that, we think about it and then we want it all the more. And so yeah. we're kind of setting ourselves up for failure because we can't, we can't, we can't. And then there's this part of us inside that wants to be naughty sometimes. And we're like, oh, I'm just going to have it. And then we go off the rails. Yeah, I have a good friend of mine who is also a, a holistic health coach. And she talks a lot about, she's written a book too, and she talks a lot about emotional eating. And and I, I wonder what your uh, stand on this is, but she says, don't even get on the scale. Yep. Stop it. Just yep. eat what you want to eat and take care of yourself and nurture yourself with food and enjoy your food. It's okay. Like, it doesn't matter how much you weigh. And some people, uh, mainstream mostly, totally disagree. You know, no, you shouldn't have more than this amount of calories and you should blah, blah, blah. Ugh, I don't like it at all. So tell me what your stance on that is. I agree with your friend. We're not a one size fits all. And I think that's a real downfall is that we want to be this one size fits all person, but we're not, we're all different. We're all unique. Your body type is different than mine. There are probably foods that I can't tolerate that you can. So why do we think that it's a, a mass, a mass one size fits all? It's not. And I think it really denies our uniqueness as people when we fall into that trap. So nourish yourself, listen to your body, learn what works for you. Don't fall into the scale. Who cares? Like you're worth more than your weight. That has no impact on anything, really. <laughs> I know. And so how do you help your children? Talk to our parents out there. I mean, I have, so I'm going to share with you. I have four grandchildren yeah. under seven. They're mm -hmm. young. And one of them is um, a little bit on the spectrum. And mm -hmm. she cannot have sugar. Anytime she gets sugar, she's just like bouncing off of the walls. And most kids are, I'd say, I, I yep. you know, I know I was too, but it affects certain people different. So at Easter, when they come over for their Easter egg hunt, we always have the special eggs that Adelaide gets for all the sugar-free candy. And that is true for whenever we're together, we'll have something um, sugar-free for everybody, you know, sometimes um, so that Adelaide doesn't feel left out. But yeah, it's hard, isn't it? So how do you help your kids to get off of that stuff? For us, the blessing with all of this is that they were young enough when my journey started that it's kind of what they've known. Good. But then the hard part is at school and in social settings, they're like, oh, they're having that and it looks so good. So I've, I'm a big proponent of like upgrading things and healthifying so that I can make something similar, but it's healthified. <laughs> um, so I think that helps a lot. But I think too, they're learning how foods make them feel and what makes them feel bad, what makes them feel good, what makes them feel sluggish. So it's kind of teaching them how to listen to their bodies too. I think that's the main thing. Yeah. I remember even in, this was not so long ago, I had a cupcake and I just was shopping one day at like one in the afternoon and I hadn't eaten lunch. Yes. You were hungry. <laughs> Damn it. And so I'm, so I'm going through and I see these four chocolate cupcakes with mm -hmm. icing and they're like special made. I'm like, I'm going to get them and you know, we can have them for dinner tonight. So I go home and I eat one in the afternoon and it's delicious. It's fine. And then I have dinner later and everything's good. And the next night I eat the cupcake at the second, my second cupcake after dinner. And now that cupcake is sitting like lead in my stomach. Mm -hmm. And I wake up at one thirty in the morning and you know, you, you know, you've, 
ever been tipsy before and the bed kind of spins? Well, the bed wasn't spinning, but in this case, it felt like my legs were raised higher than my head and all my stomach contents were like coming up and into my esophagus. And not really, but it felt that kind of gross bad. I had to sit up, I had to go get an antacid, like a Rolaid or something in the middle of the night and chew that chalky thing and go get some water <laughs> and just stay upright for at least five minutes. And in the middle of the night at 1.30, that's not what I want to be doing. And all I could think about was that damn cupcake. <laughs> you know, I haven't had a cupcake since and I have no desire to buy. And I want, I told Paul the next day, I want to remember this feeling so that I don't do this to myself again, just to make my mouth happy. <laughs> yeah. So that's my, my cupcake story. But I'll tell you, um, it everything in moderation, I suppose, right? When it comes to food and just being gentle with ourselves because my husband just baked some incredible, awesome Asiago cheese bread. I smell it right now, coming wafting up from downstairs. And I'm like, <laughs> and the fir my first thought is, I shouldn't eat that. Mm. So what do you say to yourself when you get those thoughts? I shouldn't, I shouldn't do that. How do you deal with those? Why not? Good. What's behind that? So you just tell your, your voice, no, you be quiet. I can, or you don't even get that voice anymore. I don't think I get that voice anymore, <laughs> oh, but, but I think, you know, a good thing to do is ask why, what's behind that? Is that like old programming that it you is. shouldn't have that? Yeah, it's all old programming. Um, I don't feel like I do eat emotionally. I'm pretty healthy when it comes to food and sugar, but my old programming still pops in and says, oh, but you shouldn't be eating all, you shouldn't be eating, it's bread or it's gluten or it's, you know, it's that media, mm -hmm. you know, messages that we've been listening to all, all these years. It's not good. No, it's not. It's not. And, you know, I guess maybe reframe that instead of judgment because should and shouldn't is judgment. Yes. So replace that judgment with curiosity. And, you know, maybe ask, am I hungry? How will this make me feel? What am I looking for in this experience? Those might be some good questions to combat that. <laughs> I love it. And so what advice would you give to our leaders that are listening about why they should look at maybe what they're um, putting in their body as far as sugar or how they're using food um, in any way that, that might be helpful to them? It impacts everything. I mean, I, I feel like, Sugar is so interesting because if there's, there's this phrase that I love, it's called small hinges open wide doors. And if there's one small thing that impacts so many doors, it's sugar. It impacts sleep. It impacts hormones. It impacts mood. It impacts stress. It impacts weight. It impacts energy. It impacts skin. It impacts if your mind is foggy or clear. Um, and I wow. think as leaders we're called to show up in the world and be the change that we wish to see. And if we are in a sugar coma and our bodies aren't functioning well because of this one legal thing that's thrown out at parades, we're not serving in the way that we can. I will also add that sugar suppresses the immune system. So my, 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 if you want to make a lasting change and impact so many areas of your life, 
start with the sugar because that's that small hinge that's going to impact that wide door. That's fantastic. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize it impacted so many different things. So if somebody needs help with their sugar addiction, they want to get in touch with you, how can they reach you? My website is free, the number two, the letter B, coaching.com. So free to be coaching.com. Um, that's probably the best place. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really enjoyed our conversation. I am going to step one step more higher into my consciousness about what I'm putting in my body because yeah, all of those areas of impact are too great to be ignored. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Yeah. Along those lines, Marine sugar is very sneaky. Um, that's hidden in so many places, including ketchup. There's over 200 oh, yeah. names for sugar out there. Um, so if you want to take that next step, start reading the labels and understanding where it shows up and how it's sneaking in. Um, Cause it really has no place in ketchup. <laughs> no, it has, but it makes everything. I, I heard that they even, everything in McDonald's has sugar in it except for the french fries that's the only thing that doesn't have sugar in it like even the burgers yep the buns yep everything I'm like wow that's crazy of course i haven't eaten mcdonald's in years i really like that you do have a freebie too it's called guide to kick sugar cravings to the curb so i'm going to put that in the show notes as well thanks again for being on the podcast melissa i appreciate you coming on thank you for having me i love the conversation if you like this podcast, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with your friends. You can visit us at EmergeLeadershipAcademy.com to take the quiz to find out what animal best represents your leadership style. And until next week, remember, you have so many leadership skills that you learned in recovery. Stop hiding because your contribution matters.